0: All right, everybody, have a seat. Have a seat. It's so cool to see you guys fellowshipping with each other, especially for those of you who have been gone for the last month. Um, just know there were some of us that were still here, that were still here. Um, all right, now this morning, uh, for many of you, you guys know the guy on my left, but for some of you, you may not. This is Kyle, and Kyle is Pastor at Joe Buffalo, which there's a flag right there It's blue. It says Buffalo. That's the flag for University of Buffalo. And so Kyle was a student at UC Um, He was the first student that was a student at UC to come on staff with H2O, um, and then he became a pastor here, and then we sent him out with a team to Buffalo to plant H2O there. And so he's here this morning, uh, and he is going to share with us some stuff from the Word and about what he's doing, and just know this man was in my wedding. I love him very much. He did come to a diaper party at my house yesterday, which was exciting. (laughs) So uh, Kyle, bring it for us. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Um. Yeah, good morning, guys. It is—it's so good to be back with you here. Um, like Daniel said, I—my my, name is Kyle. I'm—I'm I'm glad to be here. I've been meaning to come back uh, for a while and just visit uh, with you guys. And—and um, and, uh, I don't know. It's—it's it, it's been a while since I've been back. I mean, I actually haven't been back to Cincinnati at all since uh, I left. So up until right now, so it's good to be here. I mean, this church—it's super special to me. Um, if you weren't aware of that, I, I mean, I got involved in H2O very shortly after I gave my life to Christ uh, as a student um, and, and served in leadership here for about 12 years before we moved to Buffalo. Uh, it, it's hard to believe even just that two years ago I was here still uh, preparing to leave to go to Buffalo. So um, in the summer of 2022, that was kind of when we left, uh, myself and nine others from this church. Um, picked up our lives and moved to Buffalo to start in H2O Church at the University at Buffalo there. And so, um, yeah, I'm just glad to be able to be here and, and visit with you guys. Uh, I'm just going to pray uh, to open us up, and then uh, we'll dive in. God, um, Lord, you're so good to us. Lord, thank you for being such a good father to us. And Lord, I just pray that you would uh, be present here, uh, that you'd speak through me. God, that you would speak uh, to the people that are Uh, in this building today. And um, Lord, we need you. And you're so good to us. You're such a good father. Uh, We want to love you more and more and more. And uh, God, we just pray that you would develop that in us here uh, during this time. And so we pray this in your name. Amen. I'm going to lead with um, some scripture and then uh, then I'll pose a question. But the the two scriptures that I want to lead with are in Acts 16 and 1 Corinthians 4. Uh, In Acts 16, verse 6, it says this. Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. First Corinthians 4 says this. But I will come to you very soon, if the Lord is willing. And so in, in this first scripture, we see that the Apostle Paul, he's, he's prevented by the Holy Spirit uh, from going to Asia to preach the Word of God uh, there. In the second scripture, we see Paul, he desires to come and visit with the Corinthian church that he helped plant, uh, and, and he adds the caveat of, hey, if, if the Lord is willing. Uh, in both of these scenarios, what we see is that Paul is yielding something that he desires to the will of God. We see that he's kept from preaching in Asia by the Holy Spirit. And, and, and I don't imagine uh, that, that you end up being prevented from doing something like that unless you really wanted to do it to begin with. And so Paul, he desires to go there. He desires to go and preach the word, which I might add is a, it's a good thing, right? That's a good thing to do. But the Spirit prevents him. And, and so the question that I want you to keep in your mind during this sermon is this. Would you even know if the Holy Spirit were trying to prevent you from doing something that you desire to do? Would you even know if the Holy Spirit were trying to prevent you from doing something that you desire to do? Even if that's a good thing. Are you attentive enough to his voice and yielding enough to his will that you would sense him preventing you from doing something that you want To do? And uh, I ask this question because I think it's really, really important. Um, One of the things I absolutely love about college ministry, college church, is is that students are in an absolutely pivotal time in their lives. Uh, This is such a crucial season of your life. Uh, If you're a student, you're learning a lot, you're growing a lot, you're becoming more independent, uh, uh, and, you know, students are also engaging with and considering, like, what it is that they care about the most, you know, what it is, even just what it is that they believe um, about God or anything else, really. Uh, and, pretty importantly, students are engaging with how they're going to spend their lives. And something that I find to be uh, pretty discouraging, even among Christians, is that, is that many of us are more than happy to make plans for our lives without ever consulting the one that we say is our Lord. We're more than happy to plan and consider where we will live and work and attend church uh, and do ministry without ever consulting the person that we say is our king as Christians. We're more than happy to to do what makes sense to us while never considering what he wants for us, even if we're really well-intentioned. And so I ask you, especially when you think about the plans that you have for your life, like, would you even know if... The Holy Spirit was trying to prevent you from them. Or are you submitting your plans to him? And so, what I want to talk about is this, is is if you are, right, if that's something you're doing, if you're actively submitting your plans to God, what does that result in? What will happen if you do that? What can we expect to see happening in our lives if we are submitting our plans, and our lives to King Jesus. So let's read uh, from Luke 9. It says this, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. This is Jesus talking. And what we see here in, in this sentence, in this uh, uh, thing that he's sharing with his disciples is this rhythm. It's a rhythm of loss and gain. A rhythm of loss and gain. And so as we lay down our lives and as we submit them to the Lord, we lose something. We lose something, right? He says here, like, people will lose their lives for, for, for Jesus, but they will also gain something else. They'll gain their soul, they will gain life with Jesus. Loss and gain, and so that's what we're going to talk about today: loss and gain. Uh, the first thing is is loss, and so um, you know about about two years ago, uh, the plant team for H two O Buffalo. We were we were entering into our last semester here at H two O Cincinnati. Uh, so literally two years ago, th- that's where we were at. We were still here. This is our last uh, semester here at H two O Cincinnati, uh, and it was a strange season of life for for some of us I mean um, for a number of reasons I mean we we loved our church here we were deeply invested in it uh, for me I invested about a third of my life into this church um, and and I was beginning to transition out and so it, it was it was challenging for me to stay engaged here in Cincinnati and um, I, I was also like actively preparing and planning to plant a church in Buffalo, and so it's kind of challenging to, to balance that rhythm, challenging to build into relationships with people that were, I was going to move with uh, to Buffalo, people that are, are going to be very important relationships for me for a significant season of my life, while not neglecting relationships with people that uh, I, I cared so deeply about that were here uh, in Cincinnati. It was challenging to relinquish leadership re- responsibilities uh, with, uh, w- with regards to the church, not Not because I love to be in control or something like that, because I loved this church. I loved uh, the the people in it. And uh, generally, I think it was just challenging to be on my way out of a place filled with people that I cared about. Um, My last sermon here, I I preached it in in May of 2022. And I was just sharing about how basically all of my close relationships are with people that are in Cincinnati. Um, uh, People that I had built deep relationships with since coming to college. And, and so at the time, and, and, and even now, um, you know, I lament that. Like, uh, that's tough. That feels a lot like loss to me. Um, and, and really, it's a direct result of planting a church, you know, leaving behind people that I love a lot. And, and ultimately, it's because God called us to do this work, that we do it anyway. And so, it, it, you know, it's not that I was, like, upset or grumpy about, you know, um, um, uh, going and planting a church in Buffalo, we uh, were, were excited about planting a church there. I love Buffalo. Uh, I love being there. I love the church that God has given us responsibility over, but it's not without loss, okay? It's not without loss, and so I wanted to share some about the difficulties and, and losses that we've experienced since planting a church. Um, like, all along the way, when we were preparing to plant, I just kept being told that Planting a church, it's difficult. (laughs) Kept hearing that over and over. Planting a church is hard. It's difficult. Um, Most of the time, there's not a lot of clarity on what that even means. Uh, We're not given a ton of uh, uh, examples, concrete examples of like why it's difficult to plant a church. And that's probably because church planting can be pretty unpredictable, but there is always something. Um, And so here are some of the losses and difficulties that we've experienced as a result of planting a church. And the first one is, uh, kind of I alluded to this before, but leaving uh, people that we care about. Leaving people that we care about. For, for most of us, one of the biggest challenges was moving away from so many people that we love and care about. Uh, for some of us, that's, that's close friends that are still here in Cincinnati. Um, people that we love dearly. And uh, if it were up to us, we would l- love to live close to for the rest of our lives even. Uh, I mean, at one point last year, uh, I was just thinking about uh, some of, uh, really just thinking some about the fact that, you know, for years, I kind of dreamt of like raising families with, with uh, friends that I have here. Um, as with some of my closest friends, living near each other, having our children grow up together. And uh, even just this past year, I was just lamenting the fact that like, I kind of had to let that dream die in order to follow Jesus where he was leading me to go. I had to let it die. I mean, seriously, if it were up to me, I'd have moved heaven and earth to live near all of my best friends and to raise families together. But Christ called me to something else. To die to my desires and to live for him. Uh, this summer, I was having a, a pretty honest conversation with um, our staff team. So our, our staff team, it's three people. It's myself, Catherine, and uh, Aaron, and... Um, you know, awesome awesome people, love working with them. But I was just having an honest conversation uh, about how things are going, and uh, I was just a little worried um, about what might happen with our staff team going forward. Uh, just because Catherine, uh, she's our only female staff member, and uh, this was over the summer, and she was pregnant at the time. She was due in August. Uh, Aaron, our other male staff member, he also had a, a baby girl on the way that was due in November. And, uh, and I was just concerned that when the rubber hits the road and when it's like, man, raising a kid uh, away from their families, like whenever that starts to get difficult, that they might bow out from the church plant or something like that. I didn't have any basis for thinking that way. I didn't have any reason to think that way uh, based on what I know about Catherine and Aaron. I was just feeling a little bit insecure. But I just told them like, hey, like, I know that you've given up a lot to move here and start this church. Um, but you're al- about to give up a lot more uh, by raising your kids here hours and hours away from your families that that you love. And uh, and I was just kind of asking them, like, are you sure that you're up for that? Um, and Catherine, uh, especially, is just really close with her family, really close with her family. Her family loves the Lord, um, and she was just like, you know, she's crying, and um, she was just like, raising children away from my family is like the biggest sacrifice in the world for me. But, but Derek and I know that we're called to this. And um, I just like was really struck by that. Like, man, like they're so convicted and compelled by what God was calling them to do. Uh, but that's not without loss. <laughs> There is significant loss in submitting our plans to Jesus. There's significant loss. But that's not the only loss or difficulty we've experienced in church planting. Uh, We lost some plant team members, like some of the people that planted with us that, you know, we're so grateful for and thankful for um, are are no longer with our, our, our team for various reasons. People that we're, again, we love, we're grateful for them. Uh, moved to Buffalo with us to help plant the church, and for one reason or or another, had to move on. That was tough. Uh, Difficulties with the university, like when we first got to UB, it was really tough to get um, uh, officially kind of recognized by the university. We had some, even like challenges with other other ministers that weren't excited about us being there or fond of us for whatever reason. Um, Again, and, and like we were just dealt a ton with ton of stress with trying to build bridges with people that, like, I really believe love Jesus and uh, for one reason or another, we're just skeptical of our intentions or of our character or something like that. Um, In addition to all that, I I just think I feel the weight and burden of just, you know, the lostness of the campus that we're on uh, and the reality that our church plant is far from being, like, so firmly established that it's going to be there for years to come, Um, right? And, like, that's the hope, of course, but, like, we're not yet at a spot where it's like, man, like this is, this is going to be here for a long time. And so I just feel a heavy amount of responsibility uh, and anxiety uh, because developing a church and its culture is, is tough. Uh, and ultimately, if this thing fails, really all roads lead back to me. Um, and I didn't ask for that. like I didn't ask for that kind of weight. Uh, but I'm just trying to obey uh, and follow Jesus wherever he leads me. And there have been all kinds of other difficulties and challenges in, in church planting. And, and I'm also mainly talking from my perspective, not from the perspective of each person on our team. <clears throat> but we've experienced a lot of loss. Some of these things are difficulties. Some of these things are sacrifices. And so in all of this, I mean, I think a question worth asking is like, if we've experienced that much loss, why would we do any of this? Why would we make significant sacrifice to move to Buffalo and start a new church? For what? Because even though there's significant loss, there is more significant gain. Even though there's significant loss, there's more significant gain. This is what Philippians 3 says. In laying down our lives, there is loss and gain. And the the biggest gain is Christ. It's Christ. Paul makes that so clear here in Philippians 3, that, that all of the things he considered to be gained to him before, he now considers them to be loss. That is to say, all of the worldly things that he used to find the most value in are the very things that he was laying down for the sake of knowing Christ more and more. In Philippians 3, he's talking about, like, right before this, he's talking about all of his accomplishments, all of the things that he's done, all of his glories, the things he used to be, or things he used to think were of supreme value. Right? He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a true religious leader. Right? He, he practiced his religion with a kind of obedience that would put each of us to shame. Morally, he'd have made you or I look like Scoundrels all kinds of accomplishments, and he set all of that aside because he knew now that Jesus is of supreme value. Years ago, I know this is a lot of storytelling, but years ago, I was at a conference in North Carolina, and uh, I was attending a workshop. It was on overseas missions, um, on overseas missions, and this church in particular had a heavy emphasis on just like sending college students overseas Uh, for missions, and even invited college students to sort of tithe the first two years after they graduate uh, to doing overseas missions, right? So that they would graduate, and then two years after they graduate, they'd do overseas missions before they came back and, and, you know, started their career or whatever else like that. And man, I thought that was so cool and and just inspiring and awesome because the need, it's so great uh, uh, in some of these places. Again, like Lucas was talking about here, like there are people that may live and die and never hear about Christ in some of these places. Uh, and so I was just like, man, I was like, wow, that is awesome that like, they have this rhythm in their church of sending people overseas for a couple of years after they graduate, super encouraging to me. Uh, but at one point, I asked them a question just about what they do, and really all I wanted to know was like, how do you get people to do this? How do you get people to do this? How do you get people to sign up for something like that? I mean, how do you get college students to want to give up Two years of their lives after they graduate to missions because I mean I, I know for me I have a hard time getting people to commit to like a summer of something like that right like that alone is tough enough to get people to commit to and and I just know culturally people are so attuned to putting their desires uh, at the forefront their desires and wants first when they think about big decisions in their lives so what do I want to do and then they sort of tack Jesus onto that if they're a Christian. Almost like asking the same question I asked a bit ago. Like, why would anyone do this? And his answer, it was so simple, uh, and he shared it with such conviction um, that it was really compelling to me. uh, As much conviction as as I've ever seen. And he just said this. He's like, we're not going to beg people to do this. Like, we're not going to beg people to do this. We're going to share the vision. We're going to share the opportunity with people. And we believe people are going to participate. Why? Because Jesus is worth it. Because Jesus is worth it. And I was so compelled by his conviction because he was absolutely right. In Christ, he, he laid down his life for us that we might live with him forever and live for him forever. And if we believe in Christ, we're given life abundant and the Spirit of God lives inside of us now, and that spirit is over and over again producing in us a desire to glorify Jesus with everything in our lives. And I mean, when I think about my life and when I think about Jesus, it's like, yes, man, of course, of course, he's worth it. I so want to glorify him and worship him with my life as a grateful response for what he's done in me and for me. And I believe that as I lay down my life more and more as I lay down more and more of my life, I'll find exactly what Paul is talking about in Philippians 3. That I'll know Christ more and more. I'll have a deeper and deeper intimacy with him. I'll love him more and more. And that has more value than anything I can ever give up. Jesus is worth it. There is significant loss in laying down our lives for Jesus but the gain of Christ is so much more the gain of Christ is so much more that's the, that's the biggest gain is Christ right our gain is Christ but we also find gain in others that that not only is Jesus worth it but we find that others are worth laying down our lives for as well um you know in uh in 2022 in March, um, we took our first mission trip to UB. Um, we took a group of people there, and, and we were just uh, really going there to try and start meeting people before we moved, kind um, of start sharing the gospel and stuff like that. And, and during that time, during that week, we had a prayer room open uh, every day of the week for people to just pray uh, over the conversations that were having, like, happening on campus like while we were there. And uh, towards the beginning of this trip, I was the only one in, in the prayer room. And at the time, that prayer room was in uh, the Student Union Room 330, which is like a room on the third floor of the Student Union at UB. And, uh, and I just remember I was praying. Um, and, and as I was praying, the Lord was, was showing me that, like, man, because of this church plants, because of our willingness to lay down our lives, uh, because of the sacrifice that we were making, that there were going to be people whose lives and eternities would be forever changed. And I was just so, like, compelled by that and impacted by that. Um, and just, I mean, I was just in there crying, you know, by myself, uh, thanking Jesus that he was going to use our efforts to change the course of people's lives. And, uh, and I just began to be convicted of the immense value Of every single soul. Um, That if even one person came to know Christ that would not have heard his name before, it would be worth all of the effort and and all of the loss and all of the difficulty. Um, There's this uh, Charles Spurgeon quote that I really like. It says this, it should be up on the screen for you. If there existed only one man or woman who did not love the Savior, And if that person lived among the wilds of Siberia, and if it were necessary that all the millions of believers on the face of the earth should journey there, and every one of them plead with him to come to Jesus before he could be converted, it would be well worth all the zeal, labor, and expense. If we had to preach to thousands year after year and never rescued but one soul, that one soul would be full reward for all our labor, for a soul is of countless price. And you know, a a little under a year later, um, after I was praying in that room, we actually started having our Sunday services in there, which was never the plan. Uh, I mean, even when we had that room as our prayer room, that was not on our radar, but we started having our Sunday services in that prayer room, um, and as the Lord would have it, now we meet there every single uh, week on Sunday. And this year, at our first service of the school year, someone we met came to church, uh, he heard the first sermon that he's ever heard in his life and gave his life to Christ. And it has been such a joy uh, to, to watch him grow and fall in love with God. Uh, it's been so fun to see his life changed, uh, the course of his life just completely shift. Uh, and there have been others that have been impacted and, and have begun following Jesus as a result of our church, but this person in particular I've just been pretty pretty close with and have kind of had a front row seat to what God is doing in his life. And uh, and I really feel that like, man, if our church fell apart tomorrow, Nick was worth it. That's his name, Nick. If everything were to fall apart, if we had to close our doors for some unforeseen reason, I still feel like Nick was worth all the effort and loss. And we pray that many more will come to know Jesus as a result of us laying down our lives. Others are worth it. It is worth laying down our lives for them because salvation is found in no one else but Jesus. That's what Acts 4.12 says. Salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And then there are people out there that don't know Jesus or don't even know about him and he's the only one that they can find salvation in. Jesus is worth it, and others are worth it. And the gain we find is so much greater than the loss. Now, I didn't come down here to uh, applaud myself in front of you for laying down my life, (laughs) okay? Uh, I have better things to do. than to drive seven hours just to give myself a pat on the back in front of you. okay? That's not why I came here. I drove down here because my hope is that uh, this church and my own would be full of people that are submitting their lives and, and their plans to God for his glory and for the good of others. That's my hope. Earlier, I talked about Paul being prevented from going somewhere he wanted to go by the Spirit. And I posed the question would you even know if the Spirit wanted to prevent you from going somewhere? Would you even know if he was trying to do that? Would you even know if he was trying to prevent you from doing something you wanted to do? And, and I asked that really intentionally because sometimes in order to say yes to Jesus, you have to say no to something else. Sometimes in order to say yes, to going where he wants you to go it means saying no to the thing that you want. Sometimes to say yes to Jesus you have to say no to your dream job. Sometimes to say yes to Jesus it says it means saying no to living in your dream location or saying no to living near your family. Sometimes to say yes to to Jesus, it means you have to say no to pleasing your parents. This is my challenge to you. Put your yes on the table. Let God put it on the map. Put your yes on the table and let God put it on the map. That is to say, to come to God and say, Lord, whatever, whatever it is that you want for me, whatever it is you want for my life, yes, I'll do it. I, I don't even know what that is. But yes, God, I will follow you wherever it is that you want me to go. And let him lead you from there. And I bet that if this church is full of people like that, full of people that are putting their yes on the table and letting God own it, I really think that he will use this church in an absolutely explosive manner for his glory. Let's pray and let's worship together. Uh, Lord, God, we just thank you for how worthy you are. God, you are worth everything. God, you are worth laying our lives down for. And uh, God, I just pray that you would convict us of that. Lord, help us to be people that are. Are really believe that and are excited to lay down our lives for you, whatever it is that means. God, whatever it is that that means. God, that we would put our yes on the table, that we would trust you fully and that we'd be willing to do whatever it is that you're calling us to do. That we'd put our plans on the table. God, that we would be willing to go wherever it is that you'd have us go. We'd be willing to live wherever it is that you would have us live. God, you're so good to us, Um, God, and you are worth that. And so, Lord, we just ask uh, for that kind of conviction. Uh, We thank you for being such a good father to us, for loving us way before we ever loved you, and we pray all this in your name.